Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and we are back with the Referendum Podcast. This is your host, Big John, brought to you by FinFlamSports.com, and we are joined here with Jesse J. And Jesse, how are you doing? Pretty good. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the uh, XFL and how it's going, where it's going, what do you think about it, um, you know, will it last, a lot of things like that, but everything pertaining to the XFL is this podcast today. After two weeks, do you think the XFL can survive to the end of the season? What are your yeah, thoughts, Jess? I think this iteration of the XFL has been a lot of fun. I think it's done pretty well. It's it's not obviously doing as well as is XFL 2.0 before the pandemic. I think the biggest thing for the XFL, though, is to take this audience and just try to grow it and do their own thing. I don't Television basically changed after, after the pandemic. A lot it of people did. dropped. Uh, a lot of people dropped cable or they went to streaming only and just TV in general is different than what it was back then. I think the biggest thing for the XFL is just to take what they're doing and just try to keep improving it little by little by little. But I think this league can survive. I agree with you hundred percent. I think that the product looks good. Um, I think it can survive and I hope it does survive to the end of the season. I know I hear a lot of um, people downing it and shitting on it then those are just uh, the people who are just pessimistic um about it no matter what because they're they seem to be the more traditionalists um where it's not regular football but in my opinion it's still professional football it's still pro football it's not collegiate i i, I think that the the iteration of this type of football league again three xfl 3.0 is something that is needed there's an appetite out there for it regardless like you said the appetite is still out there for them to get viewers and as long as the quality of play is, uh, can back it up, I, I think it can survive. Now, how how long do you think the XFL can last into the future? Do you think this can be something that can last 10 years, five years, hell, two years? Can it make it to, to the second year? With, with the way television is now, I could definitely see this being around for multiple years, at least four or five years, maybe longer. You got to think, there's all these streaming services, and they're looking for year-round content. Well, Correct. things like the XFL, things – live sports are going to be important. Things like the XFL or USFL can last 
if you can just hold your audience and you can bring people to a service. And I think live sports is probably the best way to do that. I think that's one of the reasons the XFL will survive is because sports are so important to because they attract large groups of people and they wa- they will watch things live. Right, because anything can happen with live TV. That's what we've always heard, right? Exactly. And, and I think that's uh, the thing to reel those people in no matter who they are. And it's football. Football is king in America. It's not soccer. It's not baseball. It's not basketball or hockey or boxing. It's, it's football. Um, what have you thought about the production value of the games already, so far through two I, weeks? I, I think the production value has been good. I think it's been – it's a little bit different from the NFL, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it does take a little bit of getting used to because the NFL and college football have kind of become formulaic. So seeing yep. new things might strike you as just different. But I, I think overall it's been really good. Like I, I think it's been a nice change of pace to see some of the differences from the NFL or college football. And switching that game clock from 40 seconds to 35 seconds, that five-second takeaway has just been a increase of, of sped-up time, which I really like. I'm not a big fan of the incompletions and the clock keeps running. I I feel like it, it feels a little bit high schoolish or like junior football, but I that, that's the one thing that it takes a little bit of getting used to because games just go by so quick. Uh, but overall, I think what they've done, especially the fourth and fifteen rule, I love that rule. It's something the NFL should take adapt. Around. I think they should adapt that 100. percent Now I see a lot of criticism online, Facebook, Twitter, whatever else you want to go to. Um, they complain about, well, that would not be uh, a viable solution in the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, opposed to having an onside kick, which is one of the rules, if you can, you can still go for an onside kick or you can choose to elect for the fourth and 15. That's the rule in the XFL. If you are down or tied. Um, but the I onside see, kick is such a bad it is since they are taking away the contact and the ability to just kind of hit on the onside kick. It's basically a worthless play. It's just, it's usually just a kick has no chance of being converted unless something crazy happens. I think that's the biggest thing I've taken away from the XFL is that there can be another way of doing this without, or you can make the play important without making it too favorable for one side or the other. Absolutely. Agreed. Um, now, I, the criticism that part I've heard about the fourth the, and I think part of the issue is that we are seeing the fourth and 15 rule, and I think it's really good. I think the pushback will be if you have a great quarterback like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Joe Burrow, like a Josh Allen, that teams will be upset because they don't think they can – because they think the team with a great quarterback will have an advantage. But I think in general, fourth and 15 is a hard enough play to get, but if you have a great quarterback, it gives you a little bit of advantage. I think it's, the, it's a way better – kind of meeting in the middle than just the onside kick, which has almost no chance of being recovered. I agree with that too. Now the criticism that I've heard about the fourth and 15, if it's to be adapted in the NFL is to, because of a quarterback like um, Patrick Mahomes or um, um, Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or somebody like that, um, that you have to put that fourth and 15 and extend it to a fourth and 20 or a fourth and 25. Somebody even said, put it in fourth and 23 to meet in the middle. What do you think about that? Uh, I think fourth and fifteen is perfect. It's it's not a first down, which you can you see routinely in the NFL. Teams are able to get ten yards on a fourth and ten or a third and ten. Fifteen is a hard thing to get. If you're giving up sixteen, fifteen or sixteen yards, it's typically because your defense messed up. Right. A lot of it is a, a lot of it is just. I think the pushback is going to be the teams with great quarterbacks have a little bit more of a they they have a better chance of 
com- they have better chance converting rather than teams that don't have great quarterback play. If you don't have great quarterback play, you're going to hate the rule. Now, is this punishing the winning team? I've seen comments about that too. It's punishing the winning team for actually succeeding in scoring while it elects and it um, enables the people who are losing to, to maintain the ball for basically the entire fourth quarter. What do you think about that? Part of my issue with that analysis is that there has to be a, re- a way you can get possessions. Like the onside kick, in theory, is you're, you're trying to steal a possession. The mm-hmm. fourth and 15 play, you're trying to steal a possession. You have, it, you're not being rewarded. The offense is being rewarded for nothing. They have to either get the onside kick or, in this case, get a fourth and 15, which is really difficult. Now, okay, I agree with you 100%. So that's one XFL rule. Um, what do you think about the three point, the the extra point conversions, eliminating the kicker completely? And I think that's a fucking fantastic thing because the way the kickers have been going, whether it's in the XFL or the NFL, when it's in crunch time, I don't think they're any good. To be honest with you, I think the pressure's too too much. And if you can miss an extra point and then it ends up biting you in the ass later when you don't have your actual stars on the field, I think. Something like that needs to be adapted in the NFL as well. Going from the one from the two, going for an extra point. Uh, yeah, three ways to convert for extra points on in the XFL. You have uh, a one-point conversion from the two, a two-point conversion from the five, and a three-point conversion from the ten. I like that setup. Uh, and mostly in the XFL, so far in this iteration, the teams have been going for three more so than, than two or one. I think part of the I think part of the issue with the NFL adapting it is I think they would view it as too gimmicky. I think part of the okay. So see, my rebuttal to that is it's a game. A game is supposed to be gimmicky. Yeah, but you, you're dealing with the NFL. You're dealing with a lot of people that have. You're dealing with a lot of people that have been in the NFL a long time. Traditionalist. That's that. That is a that is that is a bad thing when you're trying to improve the game. Uh, uh, what I would do is I would just give the team seven, and I would you either have a chance to go for two or take the take the singular point, and then if you want to go from like the ten, you can go for a three point play. But I would just award I would just eliminate the extra point. And, but if you do go for two or you go for three and you don't get it, it goes back down to six. Okay, I, I'm I'm okay with that. I like that. I I would be in favor of it too. I just can't see the NFL changing after so long. There, it's the NFL is very old and formulaic especially with the decision-making. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now one of the best things that I like about the XFL is how they have the um, XFL, um, I think it's uh, Control Center, XFL. Um, Command Center, I think. Command Center, thank you very much, with uh, Dean, uh, Dean Blandino, um, who's the vice president of um, officiating. Um, I, I like that. They need to include, they need to adapt that as well to, to give fans, their consumers, insight of how these decisions are being made opposed to people complaining about penalties that they think it's rigged and stuff like that. Or, you know, some people may say there's a script, you know? So w- what do you think about that? The NFL would never change that, mainly because I don't think the NFL will ever want – I don't think they want to let fans in on that. And I, I just – I feel like because the NFL is the most popular league in sports, I feel like they don't believe that's the responsibility. And that – I think they will be. I think there would be a lot of pushback against having that type of from the owners, consumers, players, or what? I think from owners and the NFL, like corporate, the corporate, 
part part of the reason is I, I think a sky judge would make a lot of sense. I don't think they'll ever let the fans into the review process. I just the NFL does not. They're very team. If you look at NFL teams, they don't really like providing people access, and it's providing people access. And I think teams and the actual organization of the NFL don't want to provide people that access because they don't have to. The XFL, it's something. The XFL is a league trying to prove itself, so they have to provide that access. Like you, your quality of play isn't going to be as good as the NFL, so you have to provide access to make up right. for that. And I don't think the NFL wants to do that because they don't have to. I mean, and that, that's fair. Um, I don't like it, but I think that's I think it's fair. Um, now, what do you think about the sideline reporting? I, I like that, and I think it's important because. Well, before you answer, I'm sorry, but I think it's important because if you're going to go to the NFL, they need to know how you are in the trenches. They need to know what's your personality. How are you going to take pressure? I think that's the most important thing that this game, that this league has showed us, is is that sideline reporting. Yeah. The last time that happened in the in XFL 2.0, what happened with Matt McGloin? He shit all over his team. It's the worst thing he's, he's ever done in football without actually admitting that he's the one who screwed that football game up and throwing three or four interceptions. Yeah, I think I, – I just can't imagine the NFL would do anything like that because – No, 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 no. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying to, to install that into the NFL. I'm just saying what do you think about that aspect of the game? Well, I like it. It's, it's, it's kind of raw and uncut, and you get a lot of these players who are really emotional talking. I think I, – I, I, really, I really like it. It's something that you just don't really hear that often. You're hearing – a or even if they make a big play, you're hearing the emotions of them being upset or happy or whatever. And I think it's, I think it's a glimpse because so many times everything they say is rehearsed. That exactly. It's nice to see that they're, they actually – what happens on the field actually affects them during the game. I agree 100%. And if um, you remember – I don't know if it was this past week. Yeah, it was this past week with um, – what, what is his name? Um, Chris Payton Jones – they did a um, an interview with him on in Seattle, and his father had just died. Something like that that's so genuine and 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 real. When they show something like that, that that gives people a perspective of why these guys are playing and how much the game actually means to them. His father died the same day he played the game in Seattle, and he said, "I didn't even go home," you know, and his his mother said. Well, your dad would probably want you to stay and play. And that's what he did. And he played well. That kind of access and the humanizing of, of the of the players, it's so important. And that's the other aspect of it, too. And like you said, it's raw. It's real. That's, that's something that I, I truly, truly like. Yeah, it's something that I think is just vastly different from almost every other sport because you're talking – you're seeing interviewers talk to players as the game's happening, and you're seeing raw emotion, not kind of the collective them with collective thoughts after a game happens, and then being told basically kind of what to say, or them knowing that they can't say certain things. Right, right. So okay. I, now- I, I do think that I do think that is it's it's something it's a look into a football player that you don't ever really get to see. Absolutely agree. Um, are there any any more? Um, well, I, okay. There's one more um, XFL rules since we've since um, you brought up XFL rules. Um, 
the the kickoffs are important. That's something the XFL needs to adapt as well. Oh, the kickoff rule? Yes. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's pretty interesting, and it's interesting to see how teams are adapting to kind of not being able to move until the guy catches the ball. It it encourages returns, and it also protects the players from um, high velocity collisions. And, and a lot of the just this past year, a lot of the people um, during returns, most of the people in the NFL got hurt on oh. returns. I don't know if you know that. Now, did you agree with that, Jesse, about the um, the the kickoff returns? Do you think the the NFL should implement that? Uh, I think if they want to keep the kickoffs, that is something they have to think about because right now it's mainly touchbacks. Uh, I do think what the NFL would argue is that when it gets when it gets colder and you get start getting the cold weather uh, teams like Kansas City, Buffalo, uh, Green Bay, the kickoffs won't go out of the end zone and they'll be more returnable. Returnable. It's eliminating unnecessary returns during the middle of the season, preventing injuries. But I do think the way the XFL does their returns, I think it'd be better than what the NFL currently has. I agree with that. Okay, so moving on from the XFL rules, unless you have another rule that you that you think we should implement. Uh, no, overall, though, I think the XFL, I think it's a really intriguing league. I think they're doing a lot of things different. They're taking chances. Uh, I, I think them succeeding is only going to make the game better. Agreed. I agree with that 100%. And it's good to see that um, you have players like Tyree Kill and A.J. Brown, you know, congratulating the league and saying that it's good football and, and stuff like that, which, you know, that's a stamp of approval from people who play at the highest levels in the game, you know, saying, we need this, we respect this. You know, that, that that's a good thing for the league. Yeah, you you need a way to experiment with rules without having to do it in the limited preseason when you don't have the players aren't as good and they're trying to they're trying to do everything they can to make a team and I, I don't really think it works in that sample size when everyone's just trying out things you need a eight to ten game sample size which the XFL gives you to see if these rules can actually work or how to modify them so that they can work in the future. Correct. Okay. Um, so the next subject for the XFL is uh, does the league need Vincent Wan back in any sort of capacity? And I'll go first. I say yes. The thing that this league has dropped the ball on so much has been marketing. The marketing for XFL 3.0 has been a disaster. There's no fans in the stands. There's no community organization from the teams within the community. If so, there's some. There's not a lot like there was. And he's put – he deserves all the credit in the world for this idea, for this league, and for what he was willing to come up with and put and invest his own money into it. Excuse me, last time. He gets shit on because of who he is and what he's done at the office and stuff like that. But I think that's unfair. The man, in my opinion, is still the genius and probably one of the greatest entrepreneurs in, in American history. Um, but nobody can deny his, his genii in, in, in marketing. He's a, he's, he, that's what he is. He's a genius in it. And if I don't know what the laws are for, for bankruptcy um, regarding a former owner coming back in the league, um, to do something like that in that capacity or having some type of ownership or leadership role in 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 a, in a business like that. But if not him, they need somebody desperately to come back and and market this thing so great because that's the thing about the XFL 2.0. It was marketed fantastic. Everybody's criticism so far about this league, they didn't know it was on. There's been no commercials. If so, barely any. 
There's been no local marketing at all. Um, it's just the, the diehard football fans who who are who want it back, who who have the hunger for this league. Yeah, I think some of the issues with bringing events back is that it failed twice. Not that it failed, because I think the second time I thought they were really going to actually catch on until the pandemic happened. But I think bringing bringing Vince back is the third time as a face of the company. I don't think it would have been harder. I think it would have been harder to sell to people with him trying this for a third time, even though I think the second one was way better than the first iteration of the XFL. I Absolutely. Think, I think having The Rock was – I think having The Rock as the face is a good – it's a good thing for the long term because you know The Rock is committed to making it good and to making the league as big as it can. I just think the biggest thing with the XFL is that they're – they – it feels like it's missing something, and I can't really quite put my finger on it. That when it came, when XFL 2.0 was coming back, there was there was a buzz. I think it might just be TV being different, as I alluded to a little bit earlier. Is the TV market has changed so much since the pandemic has happened, and I really feel like the XFL had it had there not been the pandemic, really would have caught on, got a deal, and I think it'd be in a much better position right now. I just think the reason they haven't brought Vince back is because they it would have been a third time that you're restarting this league with him as the face. But at the same time that that that's that's unfair because it wasn't his fault that the league failed. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I think And I it's unfair and, and, and that's the thing about that's the thing about the about people's criticism. They like perspective. They they they're willing to throw to cast stones, but then they lack perspective to see, well, why did it actually happen? Was it actually working? It was. The proof of concept is why the, the XFL has a TV contract for several years now with ABC, with Disney, with ESPN. He proved his proof of concept. It worked. It was working. So for people to say that it didn't work and it failed, it wasn't because it failed because of him. It wasn't because it failed because of the, the play. It was because of things that were going on in the world that were bigger than the game. Yeah, I really think that was the main the the main issue is just it was bad timing, and then the X the XFL assets got sold, and I think they wanted to kind of rebrand it to what they're doing. It's not with Vince McMahon. There's kind of like a renegade outlaw nature to the XFL. Uh, I do think it is missing. You're you're missing a little bit with this iteration of the XFL. Right. Okay. And I I could I could agree with you with you on that. And I agree with you on the thing that you said a few minutes ago that there is something missing from this league. I can't pinpoint what it is, but there is something missing. And but I think it could be just the marketing. It doesn't seem as big as it should be. And coming from Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Danny Garcia, the chairwoman, and Redbird Capital, um, who is a billion dollar company, they should be putting tons of money into this thing. And they have not. struck on that whatsoever in, in the term in the sense of marketing in my opinion some of it i think though is that i i think they could be and this is just speculation they could be more confident in an actual deal and they don't feel like they need to that they feel like if they have a good product and that even if it's not as popular as it was in with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The second iteration of the XFL. That it's going to be popular enough to get a deal because these streaming services need content. And one of the few things that will draw people in and have them watch live and keep them coming back to their service and to be subscribed monthly is going to be sports. And I think there may be some confidence there that they don't need to hit as the viewership doesn't need to be as big as the XFL 2.0 to right, be successful. Right. The, no, I can see that. I can see. The, I can see that point. That's, that's the biggest that's success point. for them. The biggest. The biggest success for them is to get a deal with the streaming service, and they believe that they are on that path. So I can see you. Maybe you're not focused on market marketing, but you're focused. In, or, easy for me to say. You're focused on presentation. Uh, and I think that's what the I think that's really what the Rock brings you is he brings presentation he makes it feel big but it just doesn't feel like it did the first two times and I think that is losing Vince McMahon. Now, do you think that there's some type of way? Do you think he actually contacts Vince McMahon about the XFL? Yeah, I'm sure Vince has helped him and he's been a person he can reach out to. Uh, they seem to have a pretty good relationship whether it's wrestling business or whatever. I, I think the biggest thing for The Rock, and one of the reasons that he took this on, is because I think eventually The Rock would have gotten involved in the XFL business. I don't think Vince's intention was to keep this thing running by himself. I always think it was to get a deal and then sell it off. I think this is something that could have happened either way. It just I, I think they lost a lot of momentum when the pandemic hit because I thought they were really – going strong and we're going to get a nice size deal whether it be streaming or television or combination right. of both and the reason why he was on multiple networks was because of his name alone the 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 heads of the networks even said that the only reason that we're going to give this thing a chance is because of him yeah the ex, well because the xfl the xfl has almost a renegade factor with Vince McMahon. that's what the first version was the second version was that but the I felt like the quality and presentation and just the the seriousness it was taken with was on a different level than the first iteration of the Expo. I agree with that 100%. The third one, I feel like they kind of feel like if we can just put a good product out there, we're going to get picked up because there's so many streaming services that they need the content. That It's about trying to build relationships, connections, and present a good business as opposed to trying to maximize business. Right. Um, okay, so moving on, um, do you see any differences between the XFL 3.0 versus the XFL 2.0? Um, that's a kind of a broad question, um, but I bring that up because the vice president of operations, if I'm not mistaken who it was, um, he was shitting on Vince McMahon saying that the past version, XFL 2.0, was pretty gimmicky when they're using everything he they developed from the second one into the third one, so I'm not sure where he was going with that, and... I, the only difference I can actually see, one, is the marketing, which has been a disaster, and two, is the 4th and 15. 
those are the only things that I think that I can see just by me looking at it is different. Yeah, I don't, I don't really think it's that there's that big of a difference. I think the presentation actually is maybe a little bit better than it was because they've had experience with it. I feel like the XFL is a pretty decent product for what it is. I guess maybe you could say quarterback play. It felt like in XFL 2.0, they had maybe some more journeyman veteran quarterbacks. And this one, there seems to be some younger quarterbacks. But other than that, I I don't really notice that big of a difference between XFL 2.0 and XFL 3.0. Okay. Well, yeah, neither did I. And I just had to throw that question out there just to, just to see what you thought. Um and that statement that I think I'm pretty sure is the vice president of operations for the XFL. That's what he said. So, I, and he, he was throwing massive shade because if you saw the interview, he was really trying to shit on, on, on Vince. So, um, I feel like inherently the XFL is kind of gimmicky because they kind of have to be a little gimmicky to differentiate themselves from the NFL. They're, they're, I don't think the XFL is trying to be a league that is in competition with the NFL. I, I just don't see that. They're trying to be a spring league, their own thing, and if their players do well, hey, they might go up to the NFL, but I, I think they're trying to be their own thing. Right. I just, you're going to have gimmicky, I just think you're going to have gimmicky rules, and you're going to have, I wouldn't even call it gimmicky, I would say experimental. I think that's a better term for it. I think that's a better term. It's an experimental rules league in in the spring, and I, I think it's good for the game. You're seeing a lot of different things in advancements that the NFL, the NFL is really slow at making changes. They, they are extremely slow at making changes that having a league that's going to be able to show you what can and can't work or what can be adapted and improved upon. I think it's just, I think it's valuable. I, I agree with that hundred percent. And you think, and you, you remember that it took a long time for them to enable the extra point. It took a long time for them to say, okay, well, let's do the two point conversion because the conversions for the extra point, but the kicker was so high. So, I mean, you're right. It, it takes them forever. These traditionalists in the NFL, and, and in a way, are hurting the game. The I, NFL, I, think a, I think that's a fair analysis that because they're so stuck in their ways, at least the ownership and the, the, the tr- traditional fan, they're so stuck in their ways because the way it's been presented to us forever, you know, they forget it's still a game. The NFL and, is just notoriously slow at making these changes. Right. And the, having having a spring league or two be, that are successful and can show you things can be different or you can make the game better by changing a couple simple things is valuable because NFL owners are so slow at making these changes. And, see, and, and, and I think that um, the, the, the next question that was on the list was, well, why, does, why is the XFL important to the NFL? Because you just said it. Let's try this stuff out. Either with the players, the the experimental things that we're going to do with the league, see if they can implement it somewhere else. That's its benefit for the NFL. And it, people also don't talk about it, is the coaches. The I would also I would also say quarterback development too. I mean, look at how many backup quarterbacks have played in the last couple of years, and some of them are just unplayable because they're third string quarterbacks who don't ever get reps. And it, well, you need a place for them to get reps. Peter exactly. Walker, Kayla Heineke. There have been guys who have played in some of these leagues that have been able to help NFL teams. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't know if it was week 13 or what. I know that both P.J. Walker and Taylor Heineke, P.J. Walker, who played for the Houston Roughnecks in 2020, and he did phenomenal. He, he was the MVP of the league in, in five games. And Heineke, who didn't get a shot to play, but he was actually in the, NFL, in the XFL 
for the St. Louis Battlehawks, they perform. They're performing at, at a better level as backups than I've probably seen in a long time. You know, probably with the exception of Nick Foles. But when they're caught upon, they really don't make mistakes when they go in the game. They don't blow the games as if you're going to say, "Oh my God, this this backup is he's trash. He hasn't gotten reps." Well, these guys did. These guys have. You forget that. I mean, I know you didn't, but the XFL, the the, the playoff game with uh, Heineke versus Tom Brady, and then fast forward a couple this this year or 2022, Heineke beat Tom Brady. Heineke beat Aaron Rodgers. P.J. Walker beat Tom Brady. And P.J. Walker beat Tom Brady the same day that Heineke beat Aaron Rodgers. That speaks volumes to what, in my opinion, what this league is meant for. It's to beat teams like that. Any given Sunday, you have a good board, a backup quarterback that can f- perform like that. You want those type of people. You You need this type of league to have in your league. To, to me, the XFL is less about the Paxton Lynches and more like, and more about quarterbacks like PJ Walker or Taylor Heineke. Agreed. Paxton Lynch has been bad. He's gonna probably be bad, and he's gonna continue to be bad. Guys like PJ Walker and Taylor Heineke who have been kind of overlooked, it's big for them because it's their opportunity to show that they actually can play a little bit. Yes. And I, I think it's gonna be more important for those quarterbacks that people don't see as NFL quarterbacks, not the guys like Paxton Lynch or Johnny Manziel. I think those guys have proven that. For one reason or another, they don't work in the NFL. But guys like P.J. Walker, Taylor Heineke, who really haven't gotten a fair shake, whether it be size or arm strength or just a lack of reps in the NFL, I think those are the guys that spring leagues helps mo- or help most. Agreed. Um, what do you think about the, ex- the, the location, some of the new locations for the XFL compared to the 2020? How do you feel about Las Vegas? Um, um, the stadium, then you figure you got Orlando Guardians. They they moved from New York. The LA Wildcats are no longer um, in the league, um, and they have a team in, in in Vegas now. And Tampa Bay Vipers went to Las Vegas Vipers. They turned into Las Vegas Vipers. Um, what do you think about the locations? I think some of it is just trying to be in certain markets and be certain and have certain brands. I don't think it. I think there are some places where spring football is going to work. Places where there's not. Professional football, like in San Antonio, I think that's a good spot to put a team. It's a Texas is a pretty big, Texas is a large state, different areas, like different parts of the state with different demographics. San Antonio's a a city that teams have kind of teased moving to. Uh, to give them a, a professional team and to see if it could actually work, I think is big. A t- uh, a city like Las Vegas, I don't think needs a spring league team. I would say maybe more like in Oregon or something like that. Trying, try to put it in. in Try to put these teams in different spots. That yes, Vegas is a big market and it's flashy, and you can put Las Vegas. But I would try to put it where there's maybe a demand for for, for professional football. Right, and I I agree with you on that. And you know, well, the XFL thing, it's all been a, uh, I don't know, how, I don't know what the, the, the correct term or phrase to use. But ever since the the Knights got there, is that the that's the, the hockey team, correct? Yeah, the, the the Golden Knights, Las Vegas Gold, Golden, Knights. Golden Knights. Yes, ever since they got there, teams have just swarmed there. Um, people from organizations have been trying to put teams there, no matter what. Um, and the XFL is just another person, another organization trying to do the same thing. You know, we've seen a lot of criticism from um, week two in the XFL about the stadium at Cashman Field. I thought it looked fine, but the field was horrible. But what they used, what they had. 
that was the biggest thing is that they didn't get the, the contract negotiations suited out for a stadium. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When they, when they needed to. It took them forever to do it, which is why, you know, everything wasn't presented or prepped well ahead of time as it should have been. Vegas is always going to be a hard spot to put a team because it relies so much on people from other 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 teams, rival teams going to games. Like, look at the Raiders. When they're playing a bunch of their division rivals, it's usually a 50-50 or sometimes they don't have as many fans in their stadium. Right. I think when you're putting teams in big cities like this, it's always going to be hard to get people to turn out because they, there's not a fan base there and, there, and there's not a fan base to travel there. In the NFL, you can get Chiefs fans in Las Vegas who travel to watch their team. You can get fans from Green Bay to go travel to Las Vegas because it's a it's a vacation for them. And it's a destination, exactly. An NBA team or an MLB, an MLB team, you're relying on people who don't really have connections to either teams, just tourists, basically, to make up most of your population or you're relying on the people of Las Vegas to consistently go to those games. Now, right. and, embraced... and, and and that's where I think that the XFL failed because if we're selling an experience, Cashman feels not a great fucking experience. Let, let's be honest, right? Yeah. It's it's not. You 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 everything you said I I, I echo. It's a hundred percent correct. Because if you're going to Las Vegas to see the Raiders, you're gonna see a football game, professional football game, you're gonna go to Vegas, it's a new stadium it looks great. You can't lose. But you go to Cashman Field that's been there since, I don't know, decades. I know that. And they built a they built a announcer's booth out of nothing on the sideline. And it just looks – it looked that looked Bush League. It did. But I thought I, that I they used the field the best of their ability to do that. And I had no problem with them playing in that stadium. It's just you got to present it better. I did not know that the field was actually brown and they had to spray paint the field and it never rains in Vegas. And it was a downpour in Vegas against um, DC defenders. I, I think this was an overreaction to the golden Knights and how well they did when they were first in Vegas. Right. And I, I don't think, I think it, the golden Knights just happened to work. It was kind of a special magical thing. I do think other sports teams could struggle to attract fans. The, the NHL is not the biggest sport, but it's it's a different type of sports. It's in it's a it's a winter sport in the desert. I I think it just there's something quirky about it that works. It's a, it's a niche, unique unique thing. kind of thing that's happening in Vegas because of what you just said. Yeah, as opposed to sticking some random professional team or you know an XFL team in Vegas, I just I think it feels a little bit like you're trying to shoehorn it in there. So you you think that the, that the Vipers would have been better suited if they were in Oregon, or yeah, try Idaho, try try a, try a different place. See, I, I think. It, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say it's just it, maybe it might be harder to get players to kind of go there and just be there for the XFL, but I think 
trying to put it in a big city, yes, I understand you want to be in the market, but I don't think you can build much of a fan base. If you're at, if the goal is actually to build a fan base, I don't think that's a good idea. If you're trying to build a fan base, put it where there's a there's some type of desire for a exactly. Football, and, for a football this, team. this is why I say that they need Vince McMahon or or Vince McMahon is needed in some type of capacity, which is why I think that they've kind of screwed up on on the locations that they've selected the the newer ones um, regarding Orlando and and Las Vegas because when they were going to do XFL 2.0, it took them two years t- to do it. They did the research. They went to the markets. People can can crap on the New York Guardians all they want, but it was the biggest market that was getting the most amount of views at the entire XFL. And they moved them because Danny Garcia wanted to go down to Orlando. I think that was a bad move, in my in my opinion. And LA Wildcats, they were 0-2, and they were still putting fans in the stadiums. In the stadiums. I don't understand why they wouldn't put a team in San Diego and try a team in San Diego. They're a team that's had professional football. They had a pretty decent fan base. Try to put a team in there, there instead of Las Vegas. Well, yeah. I mean, you figured, weren't the Chargers playing in that soccer stadium before they left? That was Los Angeles. Los Angeles, I'm sorry. Well, yeah. Well, so maybe that was the same one that they played in then. I don't remember exactly, but they should have left those two teams there and maybe put another two teams in different markets. That would have been fine or just kept the same things. You don't fix what's not broken. Those teams were doing fine where they were. And you had locations to go to. I think it's a horrible move for them to move down to Orlando and to move L.A. Wildcats and just cut them up completely. And then you alienate those fans who are ready for them to come back. I can guarantee you that they did not do the research into those markets before they got there, with the exception of San Antonio. That's, like you said, that's the best one they've done. San Antonio and St. Louis, I think, are the two best because – San Antonio is a market that looks like they could eventually get an NFL team, and St. Louis lost the team, and I think I think an XFL team is a good test to see if they could hold an NFL team again. I concur. What do you think about Orlando? Orlando's about, interesting because it's, it, it's a – Orlando's an interesting place to have an XFL team just because it's it's a place that – really only has, what, one professional team, the Orlando Magic? Right. Orlando just doesn't really strike me as that big of a sports city. It doesn't to me either. And and that's why I'm, I – I don't – I, I want to see the data that they, that they perform to do the research in the city. Huh? I've never, just, I've never seen it as a massive sports city. I, to me, it's kind of like – it's a combination of kind of like a tourist city too because I believe that's where Disney World is. But it – if you were to tell me the Orlando Magic in the NBA were to move, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Exactly. I, 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 I'm not opposed to them moving. I think that they should have kept Tampa where Tampa was, kept New York where New York was. And I think they said that Jerry, um, Jerry Cardin now, who I believe is the CEO of Redbird Capital, if I'm not mistaken, he wanted – he pushed for them to go to Las Vegas, and then Danny Garcia wanted them to go to, to Orlando because she's from Orlando. They messed up, in my opinion. I hope it can work where they are, um, but I think they messed up. The um, I, I just put, I think putting teams typically in in the South where there is like maybe not professional football, but like Orlando has a good college football team. I, I believe that's where UCF is located. 
they've been a pretty good college football team. I don't think that's a team, or that's I don't think the city starved for an XFL team. Well, and you know it doesn't help that they didn't market correctly. It just doesn't help because they didn't do it. That's the number one criticism, and I kept bringing it up in all the Facebook groups on Twitter, and that was the number one thing people said. I didn't know it was on. I didn't know it was coming back. If, if I would have known, I would have bought tickets. I also think part of the problem is they started the week after the Super Bowl, and I think you need like a two or three week. I disagree. You have I, to I think you need two or three weeks. I disagree because the, the data shows that if you capitalize off of it, that's the perfect time. Because I, then people I will be disinterested two or three weeks after. They're like, I don't want to watch football anymore. I, I think maybe in the past, but there's, just, there's more games now. It, there's an extra week. There's there's a couple more playoff games now that there are seven teams. I I just think it's a lot of football in this. You need a week or two break. I I can't I can't agree with that. But I respect your opinion. I respect your opinion. Um, what do you think about the players on the XFL rosters thus far? The kickers, the, quarter, the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks, the, quarterbacks, the offense, the defenses. Uh, the quarterbacks going to be the biggest issue for the XFL teams. What they're going to need to do is they're going to probably need to try to keep some of these low-level quarterbacks that typically they're done playing, they don't get drafted. Maybe they try sticking around on a practice squad for a year. Lower-level quarterbacks, to... excuse me, lower-level quarterbacks from where? What are you talking about? I'm talking lower-level, like, like Boise State, San Jose State. San so are you State. saying that they need to go to these colleges to get these players? Or Lower-level lower level, lower QB or low-level QBs from FES schools. And maybe some of the quarterbacks that don't make it out of the better FCS schools. Some of the better, just what the XFL needs is better quarterback play, which means you probably need to try to get younger quarterbacks, as opposed to some of the guys who've just kind of maybe been in the NFL, bounced around, aren't aren't great. Because sometimes sometimes you can find you can find gems, but I I think if you're actually trying to develop a league long term, you need to kind of get a foothold with some of these low level college quarterbacks when they're coming out. Now, do they do they go and poach these players the first year after they're they're playing college? So, so that's going to be kind of hard with some of these guys that aren't getting really shots in the NFL. You got to try to grab them immediately. Uh, a, a, an example. Say that, that one more time. Of, an example I can think of is going to be like Clayton Toon. He's probably going to be fifth, sixth, seventh round quarterback. He's out of Houston. He's had a good college career. Maybe not an NFL quarterback. And he might have to stick on a practice squad for his rookie year. Your goal should be to convince him to take a a job in the XFL and to show that he could play, because he's going to be one of those guys who might bounce around a year or two, maybe on the practice squad. Maybe he gets a chance to start. You never know with some of these guys. But the XFL's goal should be to your goal should be able to get a guy like that and to recruit him to come play in your league and to try to have a good season so that he can show NFL teams that he can play. So you and, do, and I, that I, they, I so, so you are saying that they should go poach these young quarterbacks. Yeah. It's not, you're not going to get the higher level quarterbacks, the lower level guys who are undrafted rookies, six, seventh round picks, they need to go after and try to get on their rosters after the season's end. I agree with that. I, I like that. Um, are there going to be enough, quarterbacks to go around with the USFL. I think you I think you can get enough quarterbacks because if you think about it, it's what? It's probably there's the USFL's got eight teams, I think. The XFL's got eight teams. That's if they each have two, that's thirty two quarterbacks. There, there's not 
there's not a ton of great quarterbacks in the NFL that they're all kind of the same. Like Adrian McCarron, he could be somebody's backup. Agree. You tell me. You tell me he couldn't be the Bears' backup. The Bears' backup was Trevor Simeon and Nate Peterman. So are you? So you're talking about now? You want them to develop these quarterbacks, and it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo taking release. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's G-O-L-O.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who have found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. It's, it's, it's about the gameplay then. You're talking about that you want to put at least these quarterbacks to have a good game. Not that they're going to be the greatest, but they're going to at least put a better yeah, show on you, for you, you than these quarterbacks that we have now. quarterbacks that can be backups. Some of them, maybe they become stars one day, or maybe they start for teams as a stopgap quarterback. But you want to try to develop backup quarterbacks and strengthen backup quarterback play overall. Guys like Nathan Peterman, Trevor Simeon, Tad Boyle, there, there was a bunch of quarterbacks that played this year that probably had no business playing, and that, like, Adrian McCarron is probably better than most of those guys. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. For, for example, like, and I think he still has a chance to be good, but Malik Willis for Tennessee, they took him in, what, the third or fourth round. He can't throw the ball. Not at all. They, they brought Josh Dobbs in, who had been there a week, and he was – he it, it's not like Josh Dobbs was great, but he was so much better than Malik Willis. It, did, it just – it didn't even make sense. One of them could – you could at least kind of run a functional offense. The other one, you had to run a wildcat offense, basically. You couldn't throw the ball. Right. Well, I think I think you're, you hit it on the point, and you have new coaches in the XFL and first-time head coaches in the – first-time coaches, period, with Heinz Ward, I believe maybe Terrell Buckley, and um, Anthony Beck from St. Louis. Um, you give these guys a full season, they get – their stripes, and then they get a better sense of what a what kind of player they need for their team. You think that's accurate? Uh, yeah, I, I I think it will be interesting to see if any of these coaches get jobs in the NFL. I think it's a possibility. <laughs> I mean, we already we saw Jeff Saturday get a job. You're telling me that Anthony Beck, if he goes, if he goes, well, let's say he goes undefeated or goes or wins the XFL championship, you're telling me he couldn't get a job in the NFL? Right. That I I do think for some of the younger coaches or some of the coaches that 
maybe you're kind of stuck at the college level and maybe they take a shot in the XFL. I do think it could breed opportunity for them. Okay, well, let's look at the um, the quarter um, the head coaches for the XFL. How do you think Anthony Beck has done so far? Because his offensive has done horrible for the first three quarters of both games, honestly. Until the fourth quarter, they just lighted up, and they had two thrilling comebacks in the fourth quarter to win both games. I think it's interesting because I, I think it's going to take a few weeks to actually see some of the best of these XFL teams because a lot of these guys haven't been playing consistently. They've so been would, on you practice. Can, would, would you consider the first two or three weeks their preseason? Almost pre yeah, almost preseason. Okay. Because a lot of these guys haven't played consistently. Some of them haven't been on rosters. Then it's going to take two or three weeks for them to get back in football shape. Well, I seen a thing the other day saying that they, some of these guys haven't put pads on in three years. Yeah, you're having some guys like Martavis Bryant. He hasn't he hasn't played in years. Okay, well, how do you think Anthony Beck has done? I I think he's done okay. I mean, his team stay competitive. I, I think the bigger thing for them is that I would say that he's probably looking at him. I think he's done okay. I think the biggest thing going for him is he has Asia McCarron as his quarterback. He has a quarterback that's played a little bit in the NFL. He has some experience. I, I think that's probably the biggest thing. I, I think he's done a nice job, but I, I think he has a benefit because he has Asia McCarron, who's had a little bit of NFL experience. I agree with that. Um, and I think he, he's done a good job of showing tremendous poise as, as a coach, even though, you know, it's not necessary, but he's done a good job of kind of sticking with it. But he also kind of he, – he's shown some – some he shows what a coach should show is is not comfortable with the way his players were playing in the first three quarters of both games, and he's like, "You guys either play hard or I'm going to bench you and put somebody else in." I do like that attitude because if you're not playing hard for me, you're not going to play hard for anybody else. I don't think we're going to be able to make any judging or any like lasting judgments about these coaches until we get to towards the end of the season. We actually see how these teams develop once they have multiple weeks of games and reps in. Has there been any coach that has surprised you? I wouldn't say necessarily surprised, but I think Arlington's been pretty good. Well, they have Jonathan Hayes. Well, they have the Hayes brothers, um, one on defense and one on offense, as, as defensive coordinator, one on offensive coordinator under Bob Stoops. How do you think Bob Stoops has done? I think he's done a pretty good job with his team. I I really do. I think. I I, I know you and I were probably, you, he's probably you, the most accomplished coach in the XFL. Oh, for for sure. I know you and I were were going back and forth um, through text because I again I don't watch college football. There's too many teams, um, and you're the encyclopedia. You know all this shit. The yeah. quarterback the quarterback play for for Dallas is not good with Drew Plitt. And that's gonna that's gonna happen. Uh, that, that's gonna happen with some of these teams. That so some of these teams are gonna have problems because these guys aren't quarterbacks that you're gonna be able to trust consistently to throw the ball down the field. A lot of it's gonna be a lot of quick pass. I think the biggest takeaway from the Expo is you're seeing a lot of quick passes, and it it looks mostly like a college game right now. And the question is gonna be whether it develops over the course of the year, or that some of these quarterbacks are so bad that it just it's a college game. In terms of a passing, in terms of a passing scheme. Okay, um, going to Orlando Guardians. T. Buckley's made some headlines this, this week after last week's game with Paxton Lynch as his quarterback. You already touched on Paxton Lynch, how how bad he is, and people have 
I mean, rightfully so. He's not good at all. Um, he made comments, basically kind of throwing the team under the bus. Was it fair? I think so. A lot of people disagree, but a lot of people agree with it. Um, you call them out, you call it as you see it. They're not playing well. They weren't playing well. They haven't played well. They've only scored 12 points in each game. Yeah, I, it, there's going to be some teams where we're going to see how good the coach actually is and whether he can keep a locker room. When you have a quarterback like Paxton Lynch, I don't really know what you can do. <laughs> he's he is he is so limited as a quarterback, and he's kind of at the point where it, I think if you took a random lower level college quarterback and put him on that team, they'd probably have a better chance of winning the Paxton Lynch. Pat, Paxton Lynch is he's never he's never gotten better. He's only gotten worse. He right. in college he was he was a pretty competent quarterback at Memphis, and everything since he came to the NFL, and then even all the way now, whether it's he lost confidence or he just Maybe he was injured. He just he he doesn't look playable. I, I yeah they they need help. Um, it, it was the the Guardians have just played horrible, and I think I hope T Book can turn it around and put the right guys in the position to do the right things and have them win a game. It's going to be interesting coming up. What we're going to get to here in a little while about um, week three predictions for the XFL. But um, let's go to Rod Woodson. Rod Woodson, I like him. I think he's he's done good decently with his defense, but he's obviously not good as a head coach yet. The D.C. defenders ran the same play the second half nearly every down, and they could not stop the run. What has he got to do? I think a lot of it is when you see teams that aren't able to consistently stop the run, it's either because they're not physical enough at the line of scrimmage or they're not gap sound. And that for one reason or another, the defensive linemen aren't where they're supposed to be and the linebackers aren't where they're supposed to be. And when you see that, you're going to get – when you either have that or your defensive line losing most of the snaps, you're going to give up a lot of rushing yards. And I, I think some of that could get better as the year goes on just because these guys get more reps. And you never know, maybe they just got – some guys that hadn't played in a while and they needed two or three weeks and they're able to turn it around. It, these games, these games are going to be informative because they show you who has, who has talent and who maybe who has coaches that are able to get their team a little bit quick, ready quicker. But I think the biggest thing we're going to see is a, the biggest thing we, I think we have seen and will continue to see is some old lines are going to look really good. Some defensive lines are going to look really good. Some of them will look bad. Some of them will look just unplayable, and I think we're going to kind of see a we're going to kind of see some of these teams and how how much talent there actually is in the XFL in the next two weeks as they start getting three and four games underneath their belt. Right, more reps should be should equal better play. Hopefully, hopefully yes. Okay, um, I think that Reggie Barlow for the DC Defenders has done a decent job, but I think he's also been bailed out a little bit because how bad the the teams he's played have, have been. Orlando, he played. They're 0 2. Rod Woodson's Vipers in Las Vegas, they're 0 2. And they're 2 0. But I think that. Wait, did you play. No, I'm sorry. That was a, that was a, the Rupnecks. They played. Um, DC played Seattle, where Danucci fumbled the ball to, uh, to score to win the game. I apologize about that. But I, I think he's done good. But I think he's also been bailed out because of bad quarterback play. 
Um, but I think the thing that's helped his team, the first game especially, was the beer snake. As soon as the security took the beer snake away in week one, that turned the entire game around. It sounds funny, but it's true. Yeah. So, some of these teams, I it's interesting to see what they do with their quarterbacks because some of them, you've seen them try to commit to one. Some of them mix it up. And with GC, I, I kind of want to see Derek King play a little bit more than Tommy. Right. Uh, I, Derek King, just he's a guy who, in college, he he wasn't the most consistent quarterback. He just there's something about him. He's a little bit older as a guy, but he can kind of move around, around, do he can do some things. I kind of see him get played a little bit more. See and Jordan Tama, who's who's a quarterback for the DC Defenders, was probably the second best quarterback in the league in 2020. Uh, who's played in the USFL now, and who actually got drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs, but they let him go because of a severe case of COVID, um, just to let people know. Um, but I will say that his play in the first two games, especially in the first game, was not as it was in XFL 2.0. Not saying anything, anything bad, but they relied a lot on his running. He showed that a little bit more in, in week two. Um, he's going to have to show that a lot more going forward so he can be a a dual-threat quarterback. That's his strength. Use your legs. He's got a decent arm. Um, you got to use that. And and real quick, just to go back to the Vegas Viper, Vipers, Luis Perez, I think, is a good quarterback. He learned through YouTube, so YouTube can teach you anything. But Huntley, he looks like he has a better arm. He's also played for Green Bay. He's played for games when Aaron Rodgers was gone, won some games. Um, they're going to have to decide who's going to start, start coming into week three. But um, I agree with you on uh, on DC defenders that they may have to switch switch it up a little bit more still with the quarterbacks with King versus Tama. I I, I think Luis Perez too going back to Vegas. I I think Luis Perez has I think he has some tools. I just he doesn't have he doesn't have a great arm. He doesn't really move, and especially with the offensive lines being kind of as shaky as they are. I think you need a quarterback like Huntley who's who's a little bit bigger and kind of move a little bit. Okay, well, I, I will say that, in fairness, Luis Perez is a good quarterback with inside the pocket. But the uh, scramble uh, outside of the pocket, you you have to put the ball in, in um, Brett Huntley's hands because he's more mobile. I think that's some of the problem with what you're seeing in the XFL. Some of the quarterbacks who are maybe better pocket passers are struggling because the offensive line play isn't that great. Uh, that, that's fair. Okay, um, Wade Phillips, I think he's done a great job, obviously, with defense. He's a, he's a defensive genius in, in Houston for Houston Roughnecks. Um, and I think his quarterback play has been pretty solid, too. I think Brandon Silvers is a good quarterback. He, he played quarterback for the um, Seattle Dragons in 2020, and he did a, a pretty good job. Um, and I think he's doing pretty good so, thus far now for, for Houston. Yeah, Wade Phillips is a good coach. I think Wade Phillips could probably still be a defense coordinator if he wanted to in the NFL. Uh, Wade, Phillips is, Wade Phillips is a good coach. He's, in terms of NFL experience, he's probably by far the most NFL experienced coach. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he has to be. He He's a good he's he's a good coach. He, he was never maybe a great head coach, but you put him in the XFL setting, he's going to be, he's going to be dominant. Um. The the defense has played pretty solid. It's gotten, I think, almost five sacks every game in in two weeks. 
So th- th- their defense has done pretty pretty solid just to, to match that, that quarterback play by, by Brandon Silvers, which I think is fine. And they also have a utility quarterback who, who does things like, um, I believe his name is um, Taysom Hill from New Orleans Saints. Uh, no, they were calling him Taysom Hill. I don't think that's who it was. No, no, no. But I'm saying he he he's that utility quarterback that comes to do those things. Oh yes, he like can do. Yes, he comes in. He is like a taste smell. Uh, I believe that's Cole McDonald. Out of Cole McDonald. Wild. Thank you very much. Yes, and he looks he looks pretty solid too. To be honest with you, he, yeah, he he can he's a pretty big quarterback. He can run, move around a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how they use him. I think he could be maybe be a red zone quarterback for them. See now um, we got Heinz Ward. Um, I think he's done pretty good. I, I um. I didn't like him as an NFL player because he was always dirty to me, but he always played hard, and I think he brings that grit to the San Antonio team, um, and their quarterback has done pretty good, Cohen, and I'm pretty happy with how far he's done so far. Outside of two drives versus the Battlehawks late, they've been really good. Yes. You And I know you can't take it away, but they, for two and three, four, or for yeah, two and three fourths games, or well, one one and three fourths games. Let me get that math right. For one and three fourths game, they've been really good. I, I, he's actually probably the biggest surprise to me, is because I didn't think he'd be that good of a coach. And his team looks really competitive. They've been they've been good in both weeks. They probably should be two and zero. That 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 to me is the bigger surprise. Is uh, Heinz Ward looks like he's a pretty good coach. Yes, I agree with that. And these coaches in the XFL have put these teams together from top to bottom in every position, front office, players, everything, all staff. They put them together. And I think they've done a pretty good job overall. Um, and the, the last coach is Jim Hazlitt. How do you think he's done? Uh, I was... has, he, has he lost because of bad breaks or has he lost because – he just isn't that good of a coach. I I don't know. I've I've never I've never been a big Jim Hasley guy. Um it'll be interesting to see because I believe he was I believe he was a special teams coordinator, if I'm not wrong. Um That's just an interesting thing to see at the XFL level because a lot of these guys they have their they have their Pedigree in either offense or defense, and then well, you, have says, more of a, you have more of a special teams guy coming in. It says Jim Hazlitt um, joins the league from the Tennessee Titans, where he spent two seasons as the inside linebackers coach. Over his thirty-plus year career, he has coached as at the college and pro level with Penn State, University of Buffalo, Cincinnati Bengals, Washington Redskins, St. Louis Rams, New Orleans Saints, Pittsburgh Steelers, and LA Raiders, the Florida Tuskers of the United Football League, and the Sacramento Surge of the World uh, League of American Football. So he's had his experience too, he just as much probably as. As Wade Phillips, he he has coached a long time. I don't. I just think he's kind of one of those guys you see who's he has a lot of coaching experience, but he's just maybe not meant to be a head coach. Which I mean, that's fine. But I but I think for some of these guys, it's an opportunity to be a head coach. Now, now to be fair, they have probably arguably the best team overall from minute one to the last minute of the game. Up and down, he's probably got the best roster, to be fair. Yes. Josh Gordon, Danucci, um, Pearson, he's got a lot of great players on that team. Um, and you figure 
you would think they would be 2-0 because who's their offensive coordinator? Is June Jones, who dominated the league with P.J. Walker and XFL 2.0. And, you know, June Jones got some criticism because he said, no matter, we're going to go for three points with our three-point conversion every time, no matter what. But there's a lot of criticism um, during that game last week on Thursday be- between the Seattle Sea Dragons and the St. Louis Battlehawks when they didn't go for that two-point conversion. They went for the, they still went for the three. And then the criticism was, you're closer to two to get it in a crunch time situation where if they score a field goal, you're at least going to be able to hopefully score faster and easier from the two than you would the three. Is that a fair, a fair criticism? Yeah, I, I like the aggressiveness and just going for three. I just sometimes, sometimes it's an easier play to get five yards than it is ten yards. Right. You can you can get guys in space. You can throw a jump ball to Josh Gordon. Ten yards out, you get to see a little bit more of the play kind of developing. You get to if you're a defense, you get to sit back more than if you're, you know, two yards away or five yards away. Are there any um? Are there any coaches? that you would like to see join the XFL to get the shot if one of these coaches decide not to stay in the league um, past this year? I would like to see some of the lower-level college, some of those old college coaches, maybe they coach some of the FCS schools. I'd like to see them try to shred the XFL. There, there, okay. there are some guys who have been, you know, what, South, the South Dakota, the South Dakota States, some of right. the guys who have been there for a while. I'd like to see them try to get some jobs. If, if Jim Hazard decides to leave, and and say in a few years, and they give an opportunity because Dylan Sanders was has been in the XFL documentary. You know, every, mind, you know who I wouldn't mind seeing is Ed oh. Reed in the XFL. Ed Reed. Ed Reed. He was going to take the job at Bethune Cookman. Correct. But uh, they, you know, that fell apart. I'd like to that see fell Ed apart. Hmm? No, that did fall apart. It did. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to see Ed Reed coaching the XFL. I I I want to see if it would work. And just to see how he, how his team would play. Well, see, and that's why I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Deion De- Sanders coaching um, in the XFL, especially just with him being having that connection with Dwayne, Dwayne Rock Johnson, and then the XFL going to those um, HBCU colleges and, and getting players from for the uh, for their league. Excuse me. I think that's a, that's a connection they they haven't already established. And in the future, if it doesn't work out with Colorado, bring him into the XFL. I think that would be a good addition. Part of the problem is going to be money because some of these college coaches are making a lot of money now. Oh, they are. And they are. But who's to say that? Who's to say that they they won't be able to tour afford it in three or five years? Yeah, I I could maybe if maybe if they can if they get the deal and they start making money. I think part of the problem is just going to be these college. Some of these college jobs are paying big big money. Uh, what you're seeing though is a lot of the middle tier coaches and assistant coaches for these. Middle tier tier schools, they're trying to go to the NFL now because college right. and the NIL rules are so weird. So maybe they can go get Tulane's coach one day. Tulane, who beat USC and they had a they had a good year this year. Maybe maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe he doesn't get an NFL gig and he just wants to try the XFL for a little bit. I, I think I think try it. What what, what how, how that can hurt? And it would he would bring. I boss the TV. I do think it's going to be interesting as we see college sports develop. If some of these coaches maybe try going to the USFL or XFL just because they're done dealing with the NIL and some of the some of the 
day-to-day recruiting and just trying to keep everything in order that college requires. Well, it's and, and become so difficult now because of NIL, and you're you're basically coaching day to day and hoping guys don't transfer after a game if they don't play enough. Well, right, and you know, in fairness, that's why Bob Stoops said he likes the XFL. He doesn't have to babysit. He doesn't have to do with the extra bullshit. That's why he's here. That's why he said when it went under because of COVID in 2020, he said, "I hope the league comes back because I would like to do that again." And, and I, they asked I, him. I do see the appeal for some coaches. There, there are some coaches, especially as they get older, and maybe they don't want to keep coaching college football. Maybe they turn the XFL because it's just easier on them. Exactly, and that's the thing too. The schedule's a lot easier. And even Bob Stoops said, "Listen, when I got to recruit the, the guys and do all this stuff from J J one to D thirty or D thirty one, you can't you can't do anything because you're basically babysitting. You're babysitting these guys, and I think that that's that's fair." They put too much on these coaches, and I, I think you you might be right, Jess. I think that could that could happen in the future. Okay, um, now for predictions. So before we go to predictions, let's see who's leading in the um, league leaders in the XFL heading into to two weeks, uh, the third week. I'm sorry. So XFL passing leaders through week two. Number one is Ben DiNucci with 478 yards. <laughs> that might be the most surprising one. I know I know they like throwing the ball a lot, but Ben DiNucci is kind of wild to watch. He he might be the most fun of the XFL quarterbacks to watch because he'll, he'll throw some passes that just make no sense, and he'll run around and he'll do some crazy stuff. Yes, so he's got 478 yards and three touchdowns with the Seattle City Dragons. He's number one. Number two, Houston Roughnecks quarterback Brandon Sobers. He's got 445 yards passing and four touchdowns. Number three is A.J. McCarron with the St. Louis Battlehawks. He's got 374 yards and three touchdowns, and most of those yards up came in the fourth quarter through the first two weeks. And fourth place so far is Jack Cohen, three, 372 yards, passing yards, four touchdowns with the San Antonio Brahmas. I think he's, he's, he's the silent killer in this league so far. I think he's actually pretty good. I think he could be in the NFL. He shows tremendous poise in that pocket. He really does. And number five is Drew Plitt with the Arlington Renegades. He's got 292 yards and two touchdowns. Who's the best quarterback in those five, Jess? I kind of like watching. Well, I I think from like a, if they had to play in the NFL tomorrow, it would be Adrian McCarron. I kind of like Ben DiNucci, though. Like, he was... He got to run around. He can do some things. He's not great, and I think he trusts his arm a little bit too much. But he's he to me has a little bit of the I can run around and I can keep things interesting for a game if I had to play. I'm going with number four, Jack Cohen. I think he he's the best overall quarterback. Danucci fumbles. Brandon Silvers is good, but he's thrown a few picks himself. Jack Cohen has been the most poised, and AJ McCarron can't light it up until the fourth quarter. You got to have game play through all four quarters. And I, I think. Want to see- I'd want to see Ben DiNucci with a with a good NFL coach because I think if they could rein him in, he could be kind of like a Taylor Heineke light. If you could rein him in, he could he could run around a little bit. He probably doesn't have as good an arm as he thinks he thinks he does, but he he's willing to kind of push the ball down the field. I, I think if you put DiNucci with like a real NFL coach, I think he could be I think he could be a decent backup. Who has been the most Okay, so you're going to go with Ben DiNucci. I'm going to go with Jack Cohen. 
Um, I think Jack Cohen is probably the best quarterback out of all these five. Um, and we're also, we're obviously missing Paxton Lynch, Luis Perez, um, Ta'amu, uh, but these are the top five passing leaders that we're going to go and talk about. Who do you think is the most disappointing? Well, I mean, it would have been Paxton Lynch, but Paxton Lynch just doesn't look like a quarterback. He, 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 he doesn't look playable. Mm-mm. He, he doesn't, it, if I were to grab every practice squad quarterback in the NFL, whether they've taken a snap at all, they would be better than Paxton Lynch. It's just, it's, it's kind of shocking considering where he got taken and he was a first round pick. I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense why he's this bad unless he just, his confidence has been completely destroyed. Agreed. He, he's bad. I'm with you. He's, he's going he's gonna to be the worst quarterback in the league. I think I've seen he's been benched in all three of the leagues. USFL, yes, XFL, and the NFL. RIP. Yes. That's okay, sick. so here's the uh, top five re- receiving leaders in the XFL. Number one is uh, Jacor Pearson. With 16 receptions, 173 yards, and one touchdown for the Seattle Sea Dragons, he's number one. Um, number two is John Trey Kirkland with the Houston Roughnecks with seven receptions and 127 yards and one touchdown. Number three, Sal Canella, I believe he's a tight end for the Arlington Renegades. 11 receptions, 108 yards, and zero touchdowns. And he, he, he's a great player. The way I seen him move this past week in, in, in Las Vegas, he's really good. Um, I see him do this the week one too, so I'm I'm hoping he does great in week three. Number four, you got Josh Gordon, the beast. Seven receptions, 107 yards, and one touchdown for Seattle. And Deontay Burnett with Houston Roughnecks with nine receptions, 94 yards, and one touchdown. How, how do you think those guys have played? I think we've seen some uh, just your your analysis of, of what you've seen on TV, regardless of these numbers. Have any of these guys stuck out to you? I think we've seen a pretty positive play. The guy who actually is not on that list is who I think could make an NFL team is Austin Pearl. Oh, yes, absolutely. For the Battle Hawks. Yes. I, he feels like a guy who, if he got on the right team, he could be kind of like a slot receiver, and he could make an NFL roster. Hashtag Wes Walker. I just, he, he, he just, he's, he's, he's not the, maybe the most athletic guy in the world, but he's smart. He, he just finds a way to get open. I think he's a guy who probably, if I were to pick a guy who isn't, one of those top guys in the top five, he would be the guy I'd pick to make an NFL roster. The, the person, the, the guy who's not on this list that I'm hoping does great, he got, a, I think, a couple catches this week, um, was Nick Holly. He was in XFL 2.0, and he played fantastic. He played phenomenal. I'm hoping that he steps up, or at least they see him, and they play him. Wade Phillips plays him, and they just start giving him the ball more. He's a really great receiver. Um, if they can get him going... They're going to just obliterate the competition even more so. Has Josh Gordon surprised you at all? Uh, he still looks like he could play a little bit. Um, the Josh Gordon thing's interesting just because he, he's, he's been – his career has had so many stops and starts. And I know your brother loved Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. He's a big Josh Gordon guy. Um, yes. And it, I it know – It wouldn't shock me if Josh Gordon got on an NFL roster again just – He's he's big. He's still got speed. He can still get some separation. That I think part of the issue with Josh Gordon was that he didn't really have a when he was Houston <laughs> in the preseason. He really didn't have a role because he's not really someone who's going to play a ton of special teams. And then you have 
I think he was with Tennessee a little bit, and they just they had so many quarterback issues. Yes, not really able to make that much of a contribution. I'd be interested to see if someone takes a chance on Josh Gordon again. I think so. I think a team would. Okay, and doing that, they got to see numbers. What numbers does he have to have in this league by the end of the season for them to say he can still play? I believe they played what ten games in the XFL season. Correct. I believe five six hundred yards. Five or six hundred yards. I think he could get eight hundred yards. To be honest with you, I, I think five or six hundred would show that he's still pretty good. Maybe he didn't have the biggest year because you know quarterback plays up and down, and Ben DiNucci, he's he's a little bit wild. But I I could I could see it. I mean, Josh Gordon, he still looks like he's got he's got some explosiveness left in him. If if he gets eight hundred yards, going with with what I'm saying, if he gets eight hundred yards, and because you're talking about proof of concept, I'm talking about he's proven. If he gets 800 yards and 10 or 12 touchdowns by the end of the season, does that automatically put him in the, in the NFL? Uh, yeah, I think a team will take a chance on him. Who, who, just real quick, who, who needs him? I mean, everybody can use a, a great wide receiver, but who would be the team that could get him? That, that, I mean, that, that needs a team him. like Buffalo that is, has some a team like Buffalo that has cap problems, maybe wants to try to get a receiver. You have a team like. The Ravens, who need receivers desperately. The Ravens, a good one. I was thinking I, that, Dallas. That might I was be thinking my the pick. Cowboys myself. Whether they whether they keep Lamar or not, that team needs receivers. The Raven, you could argue the Ravens' best receiver was Demarcus Robinson by the end of the NFL season. I right. think Josh Gordon could be someone to make that team pretty easily if he's healthy and he's ready to go. I agree with that. I like your uh, your Ravens pick, and, you know, I'm not a Lamar Jackson fan, but I like that. Um, okay, so then we're going to go to rushing. So the, the five XFL leaders in rushing is, are um, Kalen Balage from the San Antonio Brahmas with 36 carries, 107 yards, and zero touchdowns. Abram Smith from the D.C. Defenders is number two with 22 carries, 99 yards, and one touchdown. Number three from the D.C. Defenders is Raquel Armstead. 23 carries, 88 yards, one touchdown. Number four is Jermaine Martin with Orlando Guardians, 18 carries, 87 yards, zero touchdowns. And number five, if you can believe it, is Jordan Ta'amu with 17 carries, 77 yards, and one touchdown. And that's a quarterback. The running game has not been explosive in this league so far. I still like Abram Smith. I liked him in college when he was at Baylor. I still think he's a guy that could be somebody that comes out of the XFL and makes an NFL roster. Did he do good in college? He he was. I thought he was a good college running back. And um, he, what about Belage? I heard a lot of people were talking about him, but you know, I don't really, I don't know anything about him besides he's his play here. Kind of bounced around with. I know he's with the Dolphins a little bit. Uh, to me, he he's a big guy. He's got some speed and explosiveness. I don't think he has like great vision, and not not someone who's gonna. He's not an overly reliable running. He, to me, he kind of reminds me of Nile Davis. If, okay. If you're a Chiefs fan, Nile Davis, where he's he's just if he sees a hole, he can get through it. It's got to be pretty big. He's got some explosiveness. He's not going to be consistent at all. Now, do you agree that the the running game in this league has not been great. Uh, no, I think I think that's a direct correlation with the offensive line play. Okay. Well, I'm just I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, saying that because 
Ta'amu, who's fifth in, in rushing, is number five, and he's a quarterback. And, that, and I think that shows some of the problem is that sometimes it's just these quarterbacks scrambling around a little bit because their offensive line either can't block for them or, you know, some, some teams have problems getting guys open, so they're having to run around a little bit. Uh, going back to Avery Smith, one of the reasons I think Avery Smith could make an a roster, in college, his last season in college, 257 carries, 1,600 yards, 12 touchdowns for Baylor. Wow. He's a, he's a guy who was on the NFL roster. He's a big bruising back at 221. It would not shock me if there's a team that signs him to their roster. I, I think he's a good short yard who's bruising back. Wow, that's amazing. I had no idea. He's not really going to catch the ball much, but I, I feel like I feel like what you want to see from him, even if he doesn't average a ton of yards per carry, is just is just the ability to finish runs. And I think if he does that, he'll end up on an NFL roster. Okay. Um, now let's go to week three predictions for the XFL, Jess. Um, we got the Seattle Sea Dragons going against the Vegas Vipers Saturday on FX, and they're both 0 and 2. Who comes out the winner of that game? I think the Sea Dragons have a better team. I think they think they have a better quarterback. I will go with the Sea Dragons. What does this do to Vegas if they lose again? I think it makes it tough. They're going to be 0 and 3. You're a team that doesn't really. They're a team that has had issues. Um, they've had issues with quarterback. They're a team starting 0 3 in the XFL. They probably will get a little bit discouraged. I, this is a big game for both teams. Neither of these teams must be 0 and 3. I agree. Um, well, I will say Seattle, but if Ben DiNucci fumbles that ball two times, they're losing that game. That, that's why if I were the Sea Dragons, I think you got to rein in DiNucci. You just gotta you gotta rein him in. I know June Jones wants to go full speed ahead, but you gotta. Danucci is one of those guys you're gonna have to kind of rein in because he'll start getting too crazy and turn the ball over. But it, but it, both times in, in the most critical parts of the game, Ben Danucci fumbled the ball and there was nobody around him really. And that that's part of the problem is you have to kind of. I, I think as they get more experience playing and coaching with Ben Danucci, I think they'll kind of realize okay, there's some points where. When we get into some situations, we're going to have to try to defer to other guys instead of trying to put it on Ben DiNucci. Right. Okay, so you're going to go with Seattle. I'm going to go with Seattle with the contingent that he doesn't fumble. If so, I'm going with the Vegas Vipers. Okay, um, so then you got St. Louis Battlehawks versus D.C. Defenders. Not, uh, Defenders, I'm sorry, um, on FX on Sunday. So there's three games on Sunday, and they're both 2-0. And they're playing at D.C., with that crowd, the Beer Snake, that's going to be a tough game for St. Louis. The best professional football team in, in D.C. Remember that. The best professional football team in D.C. Ah. Uh, well, they don't have Taylor Heineke, so I can't say that. But, yeah. Um, that's going to be a tough game. Who do you think is going to win? I'll take the Battle Hawks. I think as long as the game is close late, I think Andrew McCarron has an advantage over most quarterbacks because he's it, people forget Andrew McCarron started a playoff game for the Bengals that they should have won. Right back in 2015, he started a playoff game they should have won against the Steelers. Correct? Yes, that was the that was the game where I believe it was uh, Vontez Burfick just blowing up a, Antonio Brown and you know giving him CTE. Yes, and Antonio Brown has not been the same since. And then uh, Pac-Man tried fighting Joey Porter on the field. Ah, the NFL. Um. This is a this is a pick 'em for me. I don't know who's going to win. 
Um, if Ta'amu can throw the ball and run, okay, so just real quick, who's the better runner? I'm going to say Ta'amu as quarterback is a better runner than, than A.J. McCarron. Sorry, A.J. McCarron, McCarron's not going to be the guy to he's, – he's not going to be the guy to run around. A.J. McCarron's best, and I think what we've seen is he's going to play his best when you're in the two-minute drill and he's and you're firing off plays, getting them out quick, and he's able to do stuff. Maybe the pass rush is slowed down throughout the course of the game, and he's able to kind of operate the offense. Okay, so I'm going defenders then. You're going to go St. Louis? I'm I, going would go St. I would go with St. Louis. I think it'll be a close game, and A.J. McCarron will get him at the end again. Okay, so you're going um, St. Louis. I'm going uh, D.C. Now we got a uh, the second game of the the afternoon on Sunday with Orlando Guardians versus um, Arlington Renegades. I'm going with with Arlington, and they're at home. I, I'm also going with Arlington. I just I don't see what the Guardians could do. I mean, maybe DeAndre Francois, who's the backup to Paxton Lynch, he's the guy who was a little bit up and down in college. Um, I, maybe he can come in and he can and he can give them a little bit, but I just. Arlington, I, they just look so much better than Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay looks like the worst team in the XFL by far. Well, now, remember week one, Drew Plitt didn't throw a touchdown. I think Arlington's going to be able to coach around it, though. I just, I think Arlington's just going to be able to figure it out. I, I trust their coaching staff more than I do, than I do uh, the Guardians. Their defense is really good on Arlington. The quarterback play is just slightly better than 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 Orlando's, and that's not saying much because Paxton Lynch is trash. So do they you start? Might, the you might be a better quarterback than Paxton Lynch, right? Did they start? Thank you. Did they start the backup quarterback for Arlington? I we were texting back and forth to the game last week, and people were on Twitter were calling for it. And the backup quarterback during the game was retweeting and liking posts about them putting him in the game over um, Drew Plitt. Yeah, I think. I think as we get into the third and fourth week, or the third and fourth weeks, we're going to see teams go to their back and quarterbacks more and make the switch. I think the first couple of weeks you want to try to give the guy who you had as your starter the reps because these guys are so new and it's basically a new team. As we start getting into weeks three and four, you're going to see teams start going to their back and quarterbacks. So you're, 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 you're picking Arlington also? Uh, yeah, I'm going with Arlington. Okay, and that game starts at 3 o'clock Central Time. Um, on FX and ESPN Plus, and the last game of the night is going to be at seven o'clock on ESPN between the San Antonio Brahmas versus the Houston Roughnecks. I got to go with San Antonio. I will take the I will take the Roughnecks. You're taking Roughnecks, and the Roughnecks are two and zero. San Antonio is one uh, one and one. I that's think it's going to be that, a really good game. That's going to be a, a great game, and I hope the fans come out and support their team and. I'm hoping that that's going to be a massive viewership. It's going to be on ESPN, and the viewership was not that great. None of none of the games this week were over a million. Um, obviously, there's no streaming numbers in, um, but they had huge competition just in week one. You figure they were going to game, some games were going against the NBA All Star Game. Um, they had golf on with Tiger Woods. They had the hockey. They had NASCAR. This past week they had and you know college basketball. This past week they had college football. They were on FX, um, but they were still pulling in great numbers while these other teams are playing and outperforming them two or, by two or three times. While hockey was getting two or three hundred thousand viewers, the XFL was getting six hundred, seven hundred, or eight hundred thousand viewers. 
that speaks to to the power of football in the United States. Houston Roughnecks, best team, best professional team in uh, in Houston there, by far. <laughs> uh, that, that's fair. So overall, who do you think the best team is from top to bottom? Houston, I, I think Houston is. I think they have the better coach. I think they have the best coach in the XFL, and I think that defense will be very hard to score on the entire year. Okay, so I, I agree with you that they're the best team with the quarterback. Seattle is the best top-to-bottom team, in my opinion, minus their quarterback. Minus Ben Danucci tearing the ball over all the time. If he can rein it in, or they can rein him in, I think Seattle has a chance to go on a big run. Absolutely. Okay, guys. Well, thank you, guys. Um, Jess, you want to add anything else to the XFL? Uh, I, I've enjoyed it so far. I think it's I think it's been a lot of fun to see different things. It's been – I really think their fourth and 15 rule – Instead of the onside kick, I really think that's going to be something that could be the lasting take takeaway from the XFL. That it's something that is just so much better than what we have known and what we've had. Oh, I absolutely agree. Um, I have enjoyed it myself. I'm a huge supporter of it, and I hope fans, you know, just keep supporting it because they're giving this this league is giving opportunities for people who who didn't have any. Or who want a second shot. And that's the thing that about the viewer watching them, they support this league, one, because it's either a hunger for football or it's about the underdog. America is built upon the underdog. We love an underdog story. We love a second chance story. And as long as people keep supporting them and as long as the gameplay improves and they perform and outperform expectations, I think this league can survive and I'm happy that these guys are getting their shot, and I would love to see more of these players in the NFL from the XFL. Well, Jess, anything else? Uh, I think that about wraps it up. Thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us and listening to this podcast. This is your host, Big John, with Jesse J, and this is by FinFlamSports.com. We appreciate all your support. Please visit our website for some of the latest articles that we've written. And please don't hesitate to help your brothers out, buying us a cup of coffee, supporting us on Patreon. You can also support us on Patreon um, by giving us a donation. And or if you want to join our podcast for a, a decent fee, we're here. We're here to do it. It's all about business, baby. Let's do it. Um, we'll see you probably within another week or two to give our week four review. And go from there. Thank you, everybody. Much love and God bless. Jesse, I'll talk to you later. You don't stop. What's happening in the world today? You don't. You don't. You don't. We need to make a change one day.